we are seeing the healthiest, best educated group of retirees ever with nothing to do all day but complain about the government full time. <laughs> and it it's going to change yeah. things like public consultation and yeah. issue management and things like that, because you're not going to be dealing with you know, people that don't know what they're talking about. You're going to mm -hmm. deal with really well-informed, well-educated people that have good access to information and have the ability to share their views uh, virally. Mm -hmm. And you can either run with that or you can get run over by it. It's your choice, but yeah. it's going to yeah. change things. Welcome to the Flux Capacitor, a podcast about the future of electricity. I'm Francis Bradley of Electricity Canada. This is episode 070, number 70 of the Flux Capacitor. Once again, I had the opportunity to chat with Electricity Canada's pollster and get an update on what is on the mind of electricity customers. Joining me on the podcast today is... Greg Lyle, President of Innovative Research Group. This is the second time Greg has joined the podcast to talk about what his research is revealing about the views of Canadian electricity customers. We talk about overall customer satisfaction, underlying concerns about affordability, and the challenges of reaching customers in a crowded media space. Greg shares his views on future challenges of greater electrification, building more infrastructure, and cost pressures on customers. And we close the conversation with an interesting addition to the Flux Capacitor Book Club. Here is my conversation with Greg, recorded on Zoom in late December 2022. Greg, this is great to have you back in the podcast. I think you were uh, episode 44 or... Uh, but it's it's terrific to once again connect and have a conversation about what the customer's thinking. Exactly. Yeah. So why don't we start there? How about a general question? I mean, things are certainly challenging, I, I think, all across the board. We're in living in challenging times. Inflation is up. Interest rates are up. What's happening to the customer, the electricity customer? Is that is that painting how customers see the, the world generally to begin with? Um. Well, we're actually at among the highest levels of satisfaction we've ever seen from customers. Okay. Um, and so, and that is remarkable given the circumstance. So th there are a couple of things that uh, are a little bit worrisome underlying that. Uh, one thing is that uh, not everything uh, about electricity can be controlled by utilities and generators and the people that run the system. Right. Um, they can be dragged up or down by how people feel about their governments uh -huh. uh, because electricity has a, a political dimension to it here in Canada, probably pretty much everywhere, but certainly here in Canada. Right. Um, and uh, over the past couple of years uh, during COVID, uh, people had, there was a rally effect. Mm -hmm. And uh, and people like their governments, so government approval went up, hmm. um, and now that that uh, 
the, it's moving from pandemic to endemic and that sort of crisis environment has declined. Um, in a lot of places in Canada, that rally has subsided. Okay. And um, and that, all, all else being equal, ought to be dragging um, how people feel about their electricity companies down. And it hasn't yet. <clears throat> um, the other thing that's interesting is that when we look at uh uh, at the whole issue of affordability, bills, et cetera, um, it's, it, it's not developing exactly how we expected. So the one thing that's been a bit of a surprise mm. is that so far, when we ask people how they're feeling about their personal financial circumstances and whether, mm. um, their, um, uh, whether their electricity bills are, are becoming uh, an increasing burden for them too much, uh, to pay, um, we're actually not seeing an increase in that. Okay. Um, and we're also not seeing um, an increase in the number of people that feel prices are unreasonable. Mm-hmm. We are seeing an increase, although it's been high now for you know three or four years, in concern about affordability. Right. Um, and so when we ask people what's the most important issue facing uh, their governments or themselves, Affordability is right up there. It, it's uh-huh. it's really dominant. There's nothing close. Um, and as we, there's also more concern about where the economy may be going. Uh-huh. Um, but that, interestingly, um, in part because of just the demographics of the aging baby boom, um, hasn't been associated with uh, a rise in unemployment. And so you could find yourself in an inflation-triggered recession mm-hmm. that, unlike the recessions we've lived through, is not necessarily associated with a large degree of unemployment. Right. Um, so that that gets interesting. Uh, and, I mean, we just don't know how that's going to play out. But the bottom line right now is that um, we're still at a, a peak in terms of uh on average, mm-hmm. for how people feel about the utilities, uh, the the political circumstances aren't dragging uh, the the mood down, and the affordability concerns have not yet impacted uh, people's willingness uh, to uh, to pay for their electricity. The other thing to bear in mind, and we've talked about this before, is that of course we're um, you know, we're on the edge of our seats watching every uh, every twist and turn uh, when it comes to what's going on in electricity and the underlying factors, mm-hmm. what's going on with climate change, all those sorts of things. Yeah. And, you know, the average person is just turning on their switch and if the light goes on, they don't really think anymore, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it, it's that's important to bear in mind too, that, um, you know, we're we're doing pretty well in terms of delivering electricity. There haven't been any surprises in terms mm-hmm. of price shocks, and so the average person is uh, not all that engaged. Right, right. And I want to circle back to some of the some of the things that yeah. you said. That it, it occurs to me that the concerns that you you've not picked up significant <laughs> concerns about um, uh, what what people are, are paying for electricity, but um, electricity rates tend to be a lag instead of a lead, right? So that while inflation is up this year, 
Um, it's going to be potentially next year that that uh, uh, companies, rate regulated companies, are going to be seeking increases from the regulator. So, right. is this uh, a looming problem on the horizon? Yes, the okay. um, because there is that underlying concern about affordability. Yeah. So we're not in trouble today. Yeah. Um, but and and the other issue is that when we talk about what's going to be happening with prices. Um, it's not just about inflation. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we have uh, the, the, the opportunity and the challenge of electrification. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, with we're looking at, at two things uh, that are, are, on the one hand, great news for electricity. I mean, uh, we're in a, in a situation now where this sector can make a really significant difference in Canada's ability to uh, reduce our climate change emissions. Mm -hmm. And uh, for many people, that is a a very, very important task. And so um, that's pretty exciting if you're in electricity. I mean, everyone in electricity knows that the work they do every day actually enables modern life as we know it. Right. Right. We couldn't talk to each other. We couldn't entertain ourselves. We couldn't do a lot of the medical miracles that we do. Just so much of how we live life um, is literally powered by electricity. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, if we're going to uh, take on this threat of, of climate change, electrification is critical. Swapping from uh, fossil fuel based energy to non emitting electricity is, is a big potential improvement. But that has two more big cost pressures associated with mm-hmm. it, right? Mm-hmm. So, first of all, we need more electricity. So, we have to build a bigger grid. And of course, the way that we finance electricity is that uh, in terms of capital, uh, we start paying for the depreciation as soon as we turn it on. So if we start adding a lot more equipment that we're going to be depreciating all at once, yeah. uh, that's going to cause a price spike. And then the second thing that's going on is that, you know, the grid is changing. Um, we're going from, at the distribution level, a fairly dumb grid that mm-hmm. pushed electricity out. Yeah. And that was it. Never thought about it again. So you built a grid big enough for the peak demand, and then you never really thought about it. You didn't have to actively manage it. Uh, we have had to actively manage um, the um, uh, the transmission grid, right? Because the wind stops flowing and you have to shift. So that's been active and, and intelligent, but not so much the distribution grid. Well, now if, if we're going to see a significant number of rooftop solar systems mm-hmm. that can feed in as mm-hmm. well as having a home takeout, if we're going to have um, a street with 20 houses have 10 electric vehicles, and each of those vehicles, when it's charging, takes as much load as two of those houses. So essentially, you're doubling the amount of voltage that has to go through that system. Yep. Um, you know, we're, it, there's just a whole bunch of investments that have to happen, mm-hmm. um, and people, right? Because now all of a sudden, if you're trying to manage the grid so you can bring electricity in or send it out and that that you can see pretty big shifts as you can imagine you know the sun's up and the solar power is coming in but then the sun comes down and the cars come home and all of a sudden that they're they're pulling electricity out um 
and, and complicated further, although not necessarily in a bad way, by the fact that uh, some homes, an increasing number of homes, are going to have their own storage mm-hmm. so that they have the ability to time shift both to potentially you know, meet their own needs, but also meet other needs. It's going to take a lot, a, a much more intelligent grid and mm-hmm. a much bigger grid at the distribution level. And that has a price. Sure. Right, it has a price yep. both in terms of capital and in terms of operating. And again, most people are going around hitting the light switch, not really thinking about this. And the investments have to happen before the need develops, mm-hmm. or you're not going to be able to meet the need. And so people are going to be paying increasing bills for services they're not yet using. Um, and what we've learned again and again in the past is every time we surprise consumers right every time something yep. hits consumers they didn't know was coming um they get angry mm-hmm. yeah so one of the things that, uh, that that we've been hearing for the last year or probably a little more than a year based upon a uh, some research that was done by the canadian climate institute is that uh, their their expectation is uh, as they project out to 2050 that for most customers uh, in the but by the time we get out to 2050 they won't be paying significantly more for energy but they're looking at energy as a whole um right, right? Uh, and, and so presumably um you know what we'll be paying for fossil fuels will decrease because we'll be using far less fossil fuels and we'll be spending more because we'll be using a lot more electricity uh, it, it's i think an interesting argument um, to say that your total energy package uh, is not going to cost cost you more, but does that probably is something very challenging for the customer to understand, right? Um, because the customer probably doesn't think in terms of what is my total energy bill taken as a whole. They probably only think about what they pay when they get their their bill uh, every month or two and whether or not it's going up or down. Yeah, I, that's certainly the way it is today. Yeah. Right. The average customer isn't saying, okay, I'm an energy consumer. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I'm worried about my, my gasoline bill for my car going up, maybe I could look at moving over to electric and, and saving money that way, even if the capital cost is higher. And, you know, same thing in terms of um, I'm looking at the, the carbon charge on my natural gas bill. If I live in, in BC and Ontario, right. where it's visible, um, and that's going up. Um, and the commodity is also going up in the, you know, sort of post-Ukrainian uh, revolution mm-hmm. economic market. Um, maybe I should think about a heat pump. Um, and mm-hmm. so you can see that growing, um, you know, that that the number of people that that do think about, can I switch energy sources to control my bill? Uh, but that's still a small group. Uh, but at the end of the day, we know, I mean, if you go back to uh, to conservation as an issue, yeah. right. There are some people that are doing conservation because they want to save the world, but most people are doing conservation because they want to save a buck. Right. And and I actually think it's a big opportunity that as uh, those those fossil fuel based bills are growing, mm-hmm. the opportunity to say, have you thought about saving some money by shifting to electricity? Um you know, yes, electricity bills are growing, but they're not going to grow as much as these other bills, um, in part because of the carbon tax and in part because of markets. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so uh, but it, it's it's going to be work right because people don't know it now so there's going to be um, a role for education yeah but, and and again the challenge we have with education we've talked about this before is that education is difficult to make work if it's an ongoing exercise if mm-hmm. you are trying to keep everyone fully informed all the time mm-hmm. that's that's just not practical because we can't hold people's attention so the challenge is to create moments mm-hmm. uh, where where people do become more focused on it and then uh, and then back it off make sure it's there so um, you know in a, in a moment, you have events like, you know, uh, rate applications or things like that, or integrated power system planning, where there's a moment where you say, we're making some choices. Um, you could imagine that happening, for instance, in Ontario around um, the long-term energy plan. Right. Would be a natural moment to have that type of discussion. And you could... Um, you could bring several things together. You could be having, while you're talking about uh, where the system's going, you could also have uh, marketing programs for things like, um, uh, you know, rooftop solar, if if Mm -hmm. governments bring those in. For instance, the UK had a a rooftop solar initiative that they put forward on a grid level where they had a 15-year plan for buy-in and they hit their target for the 15th year in year two. Wow. Um, people yeah. were, were absolutely ready to do it. Now, that right. doesn't mean that the average house in Great Britain has a, a rooftop solar <laughs> installation on it. But, right. you know, a, a significant number are moving that way. So I think, you know, so long as we're just we're realistic about what we can expect of, of consumers and that we don't expect them to become full-time, fully engaged prosumers that are are micromanaging their um you know their their personal needs there's mm-hmm. always going to be some people that like doing that but most people are going to want to have their needs met by aggregators or by automated systems or things mm-hmm. that they don't really have to think about because there's more important things in their lives than managing their electricity needs mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah uh, creating moments uh, you know are there are there examples that that, that you can point to maybe in, in other sectors uh, where people have been successful at, at kind of creating moments and, uh, and, and building off of that in terms of building greater customer understanding? Yeah, and honestly, it doesn't happen very much. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but very few sectors are in the position of the electricity system, okay. right? Um, because you're meeting everybody is your customer yeah um everything depends on you mm-hmm. right and there are, are and you're it right the the distributor is the only person running lines down our street mm-hmm. you know when it comes to my internet when it comes to cable if you still yep. use it you know when it comes to the telephone uh you have choices um and so you know if you're not happy with bell go to rogers mm-hmm. um or for a little bit longer, go to Shell, right? I mean, it's it's um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know there there are there are some options out there, and we don't have that, um, and so uh, and we haven't had this sort of issue in terms of roads. You know, uh, arguably we're approaching that that point in terms of healthcare, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah. Concern about healthcare is growing greatly, yeah, um, and and we may well have a moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's collectively across this country hitting a crisis point. 
So let, let's circle back at the at the very beginning. You, you know, you talked about general satisfaction remained strong. Um, yep. You sounded almost surprised um, that it continues to 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 be strong and resilient. Sure, and for exactly the things that you were referring to, um, you know, number one, the the concern about affordability. Mm-hmm. Um, we know all else being equal, if someone is feeling more stressed financially, that they're going to be less happy with their utility because their most typical interaction with their utility is paying their bill. Yeah. Right. Because they generally don't have problems with reliability and they generally don't need additional services. So the main way in which they actually think about electricity is when they pay their bill. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in a situation where people are, are increasingly struggling, that becomes a, a, an issue. But again, the surprise that we saw is despite the concern about affordability, the number of people that say I have a hard time um, uh, paying my bill, I have to do without other things, has mm-hmm. not increased year over year. Right. Um, and, it, and we also were sort of anticipating that to grow during uh, COVID, right, because of the very dramatic um, disruptions that were mm-hmm. happening because of COVID. But it appears that uh, the government economic interventions, the support they provided, cushioned that. And in okay. actual yeah. fact, we saw once that we got through March, April, May of, of 2020, um, personal um, economic uh, confidence went up. Mm. It was actually higher than before COVID, mm-hmm. which was not at all what we expected. So we've had some surprises like that. I talked before about the fact that government approval is down and, and normally when people get angrier with government, they become angrier with the utilities, yep. it just rubs off and that hasn't happened. Um, so, but those are pressures that are still out there that could drag utilities down, even if they personally do a better job. Mm-hmm. Are there any areas where, where we've seen some significant changes from, from previous years? Um, the, we, we really haven't yet. So okay. that, that's one of the striking things. I mean, there are some areas where we're seeing um, uh, sort of what might be early warning signs, and they tend to be yep. softer measures. So they're mm-hmm. not about, you know, uh, are, are utilities doing a good job of keeping the lights on? You know, how long are your outages? You know, we obviously, you know, uh, some some particular provinces have had particular weather issues, but mm-hmm. um, but generally the um, those sort of numbers aren't going down. But the issues of like, do they care about me as a customer? Uh, do they uh, consider my needs before they they do a um, a planned outage? Um, um, you know, do they listen? Do they respond? Those sort of elements of brand trust. Mm-hmm. Um, those numbers are slipping. Um, not not dramatically, and they're still at at among the highest levels we've seen, but not at the highest anymore. But but still so, slipping, yeah. Yeah, and and that's a worry. And those those are harder things to move, right? You have to sort of look at your in, the entire customer journey and say, um, are we doing the job we need to do? Are we doing first call resolution? Um, you know those sort of things. Can we show customers? that we listened and responded to their needs if we did, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. um, in a lot of places in Canada, um, uh, when people, when utilities are developing their applications, they're required to consider um, some aspect of, of customer attitudes, right? So it might just be as simple as uh, customer satisfaction or it might be more complicated uh, as it is in Ontario. 
Um, but, and, and, you know, utilities have to do that because that's how they get their successful applications. But customers don't know they're doing that. Mm-hmm. And so here they are, they've listened to customers, they've identified their needs, they meet their needs, but very few customers know they did that. And if they did know that, they would likely feel better about those softer measures. Yeah. How do you, how do you try and uh, make it so that they, they are aware of those things? I mean, it goes back to what you said earlier about, about this is about, you know, communicating and, and, and trying to get, trying to get through. How, how difficult is it to get through the, the overall clutter these days? Well, it isn't easy. Yeah. Um, so, so one thing is that it's to take advantage of the moments in the customer journey when we know people are going to be engaged, mm-hmm. and um, and that includes outage communications. Um, so there's there's big opportunity for uh, utilities uh, to to improve or lose in their relationship with their customers in the way that they deal with these outages. Um, and so letting customers know that they're coming into a season where there could be outages and remind them there are things that they're doing, uh, being uh, proactive in communications when outages are occurring, um, the way in which people talk about it, you know, people respond better to hearing our crews are ready to go as soon as it's safe rather than saying uh, we have to wait until, you know, the wind dies down. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, those are, are little things, but they all incrementally make a difference. Um, you know, if, and unfortunately often these outages happen at inopportune times. They'll happen on weekends, they'll happen in evenings yep. and outside normal business hours. And so it's a bit of a scramble uh, to get things together. And sometimes utilities are a bit slow um, we know there's been big improvements. I mean, generally, that's an area where things are, are working better, in part because a lot of utilities have made important investments in um, online tools where people can see for themselves what's going on. Right. right? So I live in, in BC. BC Hydro has an outage map. And so, you know, some if the lights go off, I can go onto my phone and pull out the outage map and it will show me, you know, where the outages are, how many people are affected what the status of the crew rolling out is. And that, that's uh, great stuff. Yeah. Um, and most customers know how to find that, although it would be great if all customers did. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are, are are some of the things we're going to have to do. And then, then the other thing is that I think there is a role from time to time for actually uh, doing old-fashioned ad campaigns. Mm-hmm. Um, and that fits in especially if if there are opportunities where you can help customers save money, right? So um, I recall Nova Scotia Power having a great campaign around heat pumps. Um, And Nova Scotia has one of the higher uh, levels of of adoption of heat pumps. Right. Um, And that's something where, um, you know, you're helping customers save money. They like that sort of thing. Um, Now, it's a challenge because depending where you are in in Nova Scotia is a good example. The government took uh, conservation out of the utility and created their own conservation Mm -hmm. agency. Right. Um, And so that now it's more difficult for uh, Nova Scotia Power to be able to go out and help customers with that part. Um, And in in other places like Ontario, the government backed away from conservation and Mm -hmm. defunded some programs that were in place. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the capabilities that utilities had for that type of work um, basically got uh, uh, dismantled. Um, But those are the things that we need to look at. Uh, if we want to see um, 
see that sort of buy-in. The other thing is long-term planning, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, one of the things that we see, and, and this is, so one of the things that we're going to have to do, no one seems to really be thinking about this, but if we're going to have a bigger grid, we have to build a lot of things. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's not always easy to build a power line. Right? <laughs> to say the least, yeah. <laughs> the, you yeah. know, uh, you'll know uh, because you split your time with Ottawa that Ottawa had a big power line that they had a consultation on, they had yep. stakeholders participating, but not the public. And when it went public after stakeholdering and the stakeholders all saying that makes sense, um, some of the stakeholders that participated in the stakeholdering then said, this is a bad idea and we shouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the media seized on it and it became a problem. Yeah. So um, we're going to have to build generating stations. And, you know, you can just think back on, on uh, you know, the, the proposal for a natural gas plant in Duke Point in BC or the mm -hmm. natural gas plants proposed for Oakville and Mississauga about that. We know that there's been resistance to uh, wind turbines uh, on a sort of location by location yep. basis. And yep. we know you think about Tawasson uh, as as sort of the, the worst case scenario, but also a lot of issues in Alberta over the location siting of, of power lines um, that we have a lot of work to do. Yeah. Um, and um, having a discussion about a long-term energy plan where, where people become aware that there's a need for more electricity to achieve our, our climate change goals and that, um, that there's been, you know, an overall discussion of how much of our needs can we meet from DERs, how much mm -hmm. can we meet by conservation, mm -hmm. and how much do we have to have new power lines for in order to meet that need then potentially would help minimize the amount of politics that you have to deal with every time you go for a power line. Mm -hmm. Because if you haven't already had that discussion about how much can we get from conservation, how much can we get from DERs, then every time you propose a power line, the opponents are going to say, but we could just conserve this. That would be yeah. a cheaper way of doing it. Yeah. Why don't we just conserve? And you have to have that fight for every single power line. That's essentially what's happened for, for every uh, oil mm -hmm. pipeline. Right. Yeah. Every oil pipeline has had to fight the battle of, you know, can we, um, you know, given what we're trying to do in climate change, should we build any more infrastructure? And if there had been an overall plan saying within our battle mm -hmm. to deal with uh, climate change, uh, we still need to have this amount of uh, pipelines for these mm -hmm. reasons, it mm -hmm. would have made it easier to get approval on the pipelines. Yeah, <laughs> the challenge but of that's, getting that's huge. Built, like, yeah. I'm, Absolutely. I, mean, I think. When you when you you think about if you're a utility and you're planning, and you're not and you're not treating um, uh, the you're not identifying the risks that you will not get approval for the facilities you need to you're not identifying that risk and you're not planning to deal with it, um, then you're going to have some uh, unhappy moments in the future. Yeah, I meant I mentioned uh, the Canadian uh, Climate Institute earlier. There, there projection is that we're going to need two to three times um, the the non-emitting electricity that we produce today. That's a huge amount of build out. Um, well, and, and right around saw, the, right through through the supply chain from transmission, distribution, generation, right down to the to the individual customer. Yeah, and, and last uh, week the IESO in Ontario came out with a report saying that Ontario will need four hundred billion dollars yep. of capital investment. And we'll have 
that the cost of uh, electricity in Ontario will grow from 20 billion today to 60 billion in 2050. Um, so that's that's a big increase. That's a lot of infrastructure. Yep. And uh, the public is going to be heard on that one way or the other. But if electricity is going to be meeting, going from meeting 20% of our end use, end use energy requirements today to, you know, 50 to 60%, that's the kind of, kind of investments that are going to be required. Sure, but logic yeah. is not always uh, a key right. element of the public debate. <laughs> Rarely, <laughs> in some instances. You, you mentioned, um, you know, maybe maybe one of the ways to approach this is, is, is an old-fashioned, just an old-fashioned advertising campaign. How much has that world changed, though? I mean, what what uh, are there really old-fashioned advertising campaigns anymore? Because even well, the, 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 the mediums, are. yeah, the yeah. medium that we use uh, would be completely different than it was a decade ago, even. Yeah, I mean, there, there's still a role for outdoor and television and radio, um, and you know, it, they they still penetrate. Right. But right. they don't to the degree that they used to. Right. And so now digital campaigns are absolutely critical. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and I love digital because it's so targetable. Mm-hmm. Right. And and with digital digital campaigns, we're able to target people at moments of the customer journey. Right. So if someone's thinking about rooftop solar, they're going to be doing searches for that. Right. And so yep. we can reach them at the moment in which they're looking at these issues or if someone wants to know you know what can i do to reduce my electricity bill they're going to be on google searching that and again we can get the content they need to exactly the people we want so there's efficiencies today that there never were before um and that's why you know earlier i said like you probably never stop the campaign but the campaign is reaching a smaller group but um you know, a more engaged group while it, it's running. The For the broader campaigns, they're like pulses, right? Mm-hmm. And so they mm-hmm. get out there and they hit people, um, you know, when they're they're watching their favorite TV show uh, for those that still watch TV. But right. lots still do. It's just nowhere near as it used to be, you know, and if you think about the 70s, right? <laughs> you know, you, you bought a spot in All in the Family and 60% of the country saw it then and yeah, there. And, yeah. and we don't have those moments anymore. That, you know, maybe if we're, you know, the World Cup um, soccer games, you know, you might have gotten double digit share of the Canadian public. But um, there's, again, very few moments like that. Yeah. So um, if you were going to give advice to somebody uh, in the sector in terms of, what to look for in the future? I mean, you've kind of given us a, a pretty good rundown in terms of what the, sort of the state of play is now with respect to, you know, satisfaction and affordability and concerns. But what are what are some of the things that we should be concerned about? What are um, you know some of the some of the potential pitfalls that you see ahead? I mean, in addition to uh, you know, just the challenge of trying to trying to get people to understand that a lot of infrastructure needs to be built. Are there other things on the horizon that uh, that that you'd you'd see that you suggest we should be keeping our eye on in terms of potentially impacting how the public views the the electricity sector? Well, I think there's a risk that we're going to end up um, being constantly on the defensive. 
Okay. That, I mean, because you can see things coming, right? Like, you know that there will be, you know, particular infrastructure projects that will generate backlash. We can't predict which ones they are, but there will be new there will be. Yeah. new bills, new yeah. losses. Um, we know that there's going to be price concerns. We know that there are going to be political debates that will use electricity in that. And, you know, so so that's going to happen and and the sector is going to have to react. So so if you don't take the initiative, then you're going to be on the defensive mm-hmm. and you're going to be taking punches. So, you know, personally, I I would want to be more proactive. I'd want to to do my best to try and get on the right foot. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some things to be excited about, like, um, you know, and, and I, I see it as as two things in particular. Number one. Uh, that the electricity sector is, in fact, going to be a critical tool to help us reach our climate change goals. And I think that is something to be excited about. Mm-hmm. And I think, number two, um, depending on the policy choices we make, we could see, and, and pardon the pun, but a more empowered consumer uh, than we've ever seen before. The mm-hmm. ability of mm-hmm. a consumer to generate their own power, store their own power, control when they pull electricity out, when they put electricity in. And I think that if we can design this so consumers can be winners, that they can put money in their pockets if they are contributing. I mean, we're in a situation now where, um, you know, somebody working um, can drive to work with a bunch of the electricity they need in that location. Right. In the vehicle they get there with, they can actually yeah. bring it with them. Yeah. And, you know, if uh, if we have a situation where we say, OK, I know that basically when I leave work, I'm going to go home. It's going to take 20 percent of my battery to get there. And then I'm not really going to use the car until I go to work the next day. And so I have all night to charge it up. Mm-hmm. So if I have the ability to say, OK, you can take I want a safety valve so you can take up to 60% of the capacity in my battery if it's full when I go to work um, so that you don't need a transmission line to get mm-hmm. it to work. You mm-hmm. just need to get it out of my car. Um, but you're going to pay me for that, right? Because it's my electricity and it's my battery and I'm providing something in this story, but, uh, but I'm helping you yeah. um, because one of the, the, well, anyway, I won't, won't go too far down that, that rabbit hole just to make the point that, that they get a chance to make money. Yeah. Um, and then there'll be tools that they could use. A lot of this could be automated. You could say, okay, this is what I need. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, your phone could, could say in the morning, are you still good with this or do you need to opt out? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you can opt out as opposed to opt-in. I'm, I'm not a big fan of opt-in. Not, I'm, I'm a big fan of control. I'm mm-hmm. a big fan of consumers knowing that they are in control. But if they're in control on an opt-in process, I know the nature of the average consumer is that they don't want to stay engaged in this. Right. And yeah. so if we're relying on them to opt-in, we are not going to get a large amount of participation because mm-hmm. most people are just going to go about their way. Mm-hmm. And generally speaking, the incremental benefit of taking that conservation or, or demand management action at a retail level is, is you know, quarters or you know, loonies. It's not mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. big bucks. It's not like worth twenty-five bucks to plug your car in at a certain time. Yeah. Um, so, but but the aggregated, the numbers can be significant. And so, I think the best way is is to offer deals that 
have the value at the aggregated level. Right? If you commit to, um, you know, to be part of the program for the month, that you will, that it'll be a hundred dollar benefit to you. You've got my attention. Yeah. Um, if it's if you make this individual choice, you can save twenty five cents. Um, yeah. You, you don't. Have What's the point? Time. Right. And so, and then if then the opt ins. Um, you know, if you or the opt outs, if you say, okay, you can opt out today, it'll cost you a buck, like you lose a buck of the benefit, mm -hmm. um, then that's, you know, that's okay. But mm -hmm. that, that that's still a, a, a bit of a tripwire to create a little resistance. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know exactly how to engineer these. This is all intuitive uh, because the work hasn't been done. But the, um, I think those opportunities are there. And and what it does is that it puts, if the utility is enabling this or the sector broadly is enabling this because we may have a more dynamic sector in the future mm -hmm. um, with you know, more aggregators and retailers and things like that. Um, as, as you look at that, if consumers are winners in this uh, and the, the sector is enabling those wins, then the sector is seen as being on my side. Right, right, yeah. Um, and, uh, and I think then we're in a situation where uh, the the sector is is better equipped to deal with the inevitable problems that will emerge mm -hmm. uh, as we try and cite a lot of infrastructure and as costs uh, creep up. Hmm. Well, Greg, as always, it's uh, it's uh, terrific to catch up. It's funny, you know, you you mentioned when we were talking about the challenges of of getting things built and and uh, the Tawasson project. I think that's when we first met. That it was. had to be what two decades ago. Yeah. Uh, but um, no, I really who's appreciate. Counting, but who's counting? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's it's always it's always great to catch up. Uh, uh, but before you go. Uh, you know, recall I, I asked you this when you were uh, when you were on last time. I asked for a book recommendation for our our uh, our flux capacitor book club, uh, and so uh, now uh, a year year and a half later, uh, what what book would you recommend to uh, to the listener? Um, I think the. the The big book I really encourage people to read if you want to get a sense of the big picture, what's going out, and I hope I didn't. Uh, recommend this one last last time is who will pay ah okay um so who will pay is a book written back around 2003 um by a um a world bank economist so this book who will pay by peter heller what is fabulous about it is it was written almost 20 years ago yep. and everything that we're seeing today he wrote about then Wow. Right. So he was able to identify then as an economist that climate change would cost more and more. Mm -hmm. um, already the insurance associations had identified that claims were increasing dramatically as a result. And of course, you know, since then, you know, we had BC completely cut off from the rest of the country for weeks. Uh, we've seen a big chunk of Fort McMurray burned down. We saw yeah. Yeah. a big chunk of Calgary flooded. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's all these these literally prices we are paying for climate change. He deals with the aging um, uh, um, aging population and what that means in terms of health and pensions. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, now we're seeing the crisis that we're seeing in healthcare. Like mm -hmm. it's just laying out the 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 fundamental realities that we have to work within. Um, and one thing that I think is is he doesn't write about, but that I think is going to be a, 
really interesting about a particular challenge is that we are seeing the healthiest, best educated group of retirees ever mm -hmm. um, with nothing to do all day, but complain about the government full time. <laughs> and and it, it's going to change yeah. things like public consultation and yeah. issue management and things like that, because, you know, you're not going to be dealing with you know, people that don't know what they're talking about. You're going to mm -hmm. deal with really well-informed, well-educated people that have good access to information and have the ability to share their views uh, virally. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so, you know, you can either run with that or you can get run over by it. It's your choice, but yeah. it's going to yeah. change things. So uh, I, I find that one fascinating. Mm -hmm. All right. So we have a, a new addition to the to our Flux Capacitor Book Club, Peter Heller's Heller. Who Will Pay? Coping with Aging Societies, Climate Change, and Other Long-Term Fiscal Challenges. And we'll put we'll put a link on the on the show page. Excellent. Great. Greg, always always great to catch up and and thank you for thank you for also a terrific book recommendation. Good to see you, you, my friend. Good to see you. Take care. Cheers. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Flux Capacitor. Tune in for future episodes. Please take the time to rate the podcast on whatever platform you use to listen, and let me know what you think of the Flux Capacitor. The website can be found at thefluxcapacitor.ca, including links for this episode 70 on the show page. And while you're there, check out the book club page, which provides info and links to the books which have been recommended by guests on the Flux Capacitor. And let's continue the electricity conversation on our Facebook page, on Twitter, and at electricity.ca.